I was getting ready to open the door. I opened the front door to leave. And he said, he was standing on the stairs below and he started crying and he said, the reason why I didn't come to you is because I did the thing I was always afraid I was going to do. And I said, what did you do? This is the third and final episode of Alexis' American Divorce Story. By this point in the story, Alexis is starting to have this deep, uneasy feeling about her marriage. Her husband is telling her that they're going to be just fine. But actions speak louder than words, and his actions and behavior towards her are definitely not predicting a bright future for the marriage. And that is where we pick up Alexis' American divorce story. I think in 2023, I started to feel like, in hindsight, looking back, and in the moments, I think I just thought he was dealing with more depression, but he started to kind of get more distant. And I felt like I was getting to a point where I was like, um, trying to help him too much with it, that I was kind of like, maybe I just need to step back. So it got to the point where I I think I was going to go visit my parents in Michigan for a couple days and I just felt in my bones that like something was wrong and I had I tried asking him you know I'd ask him all the time like what's going on and he was like I'm just depressed about work and we kind of had this argument right before I went to Michigan and he was like I was like I feel like you don't really see me anymore like I feel like you don't see me and he was like he kind of admitted to that and he was like yeah but you know, and I felt like everything was still okay after that because at the end of the argument, he was like, I love you and we're going to be fine. So as this depression seemed to keep building and he was kind of being cruel to me and I felt like he was looking at me with disdain, you know, at this point, I was really lonely in the marriage. I was not going to a job anymore. I was alone in my studio all day. You know, I had friends that I would see, but I was just really lonely in my in my marriage, you know. I there were multiple times where like I'm just a naturally very emotionally vulnerable person. Maybe it's partly because I'm an artist or something, but like I just I put it all out there. And there were many times where I would come to him and be like I'm I need this from our marriage or like I feel really lonely about this and like you know, he would try to console me, but like nothing would ever really change and he really was never able to bring that to me in terms of like that motion that emotional vulnerability and i just felt very alone and i felt like he really wasn't seeing me anymore and uh the last three weeks were the worst i just felt like he hated me i mean he wasn't like being overtly verbally abusive but it was like these very subtle ways of how he would talk to me and just how i could see him looking at me i just I felt really bad about myself during that time. And so he would go on these work trips and these happened throughout our, our relationship and I was just used to them. He would be gone for sometimes up to a week, sometimes a few days. He actually traveled to Charleston a lot. He traveled to uh, Atlanta. He had this kind of like regional area that he was responsible for. And so he would be gone. And I used to love that. I used to think that it made our marriage stronger because I like to be alone in my studio and it kind of like I used to say oh, it, it would make us miss each other and in a lot of ways when we were in better times it did because it made us appreciate each other more but towards the end 
I think it was just contributing to the distance. This is the thing about our marriage too, is like, I have always been so trusting. In fact, like he used to say, like, I'm so lucky that like, this was a big thing about our marriage too, that was really important to me is like, we kind of like agreed that like, we were going to support each other in like these things. Like if he wanted to go on a week long camping trip with a group of people, like go for it. If you need to do that. Like, I just was very, I was like, you said, like, I could be upset about some things, but like I was just very open to letting him do whatever he felt he needed to do. I I never wanted to feel like I was holding him back. Well, and he was the same with me in some ways, you know, like the year before all this happened, like I had gotten accepted to these two residencies and I moved away for two months and it was fine. He was very supportive of that and we stayed in touch and we got through that just fine, you know, in the same way that like I don't know. So we were we were both very good about that. Like we weren't jealous people. Like I could go hang out with friends. He could go hang out with friends. You know, it didn't matter. And so um, I didn't think anything of his traveling because I just like one, because he always swore he would never be like his dad. And two, because I just never thought he would be capable of that kind of deception. It was just like, why would you ever do that? So he came back from this last trip and it was it was it was it just felt bad he was in South Carolina so um we had decided a couple weeks or like a month before that we were going to redo our patio so we had these like bricks on our patio and we were going to have a cement company come in and pour cement so we were like it was a Saturday and we were it was a Saturday in April and we were like moving the bricks together and I just remember feeling like this I couldn't explain I was so anxious and I felt like I had brought up this with him so many times that I didn't want to bring it up again so I was just like Amelia just try to like connect with him you know so we were gonna go to dinner that night we went to this like brewery that was down the street from our house it was a place we went a lot and we were having dinner and I just remember trying to think like I just felt so distant from him and I was asking him questions and he said <laughs> he was like I I'm doing like, well, you know, it's like, I'm, I've decided I'm really into my job now. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's awesome. You know, I was like, you've, you've been so unhappy. I was like, that makes me really happy that you're really into it. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I figured out some things and like he had been getting some attention at work for like achieving things. And I was like, that's really great. You know, and he just, he was being so shitty to me. And then he goes, he goes, so you tell me that I never ask you anything about yourself. So like, what's up? like just very cold like and I was just kind of like okay it just felt like we were we were uh strangers you know and I it was just really bizarre but like for some reason I still kept thinking it's okay and we got home I think we we're gonna watch a movie or something and suddenly I remember we were sitting on the couch and suddenly I remembered the argument we had had not that long ago where he said he couldn't see me anymore and then it for some reason it just hit me like so he used to have these nicknames that he would call me when we were, you know, in happier times and they were very like affectionate nicknames. And it suddenly dawned on me that like he hadn't called me one of those nicknames in a while. And I just kind of looked at him and I don't know what happened, but I just knew something was going on. And I, and I stood up, I think I kind of like got really mad and was like going to go to bed. But then I was like, what am I doing? I'm being dramatic. And so I just came out and I was like, what's going on? I was like, I feel like something is going on and you need to tell me what's going on. And he just looked at me and he was like, I don't know what you're trying to say. Like, what do you mean something's going on? And he kept 
trying to like dance around it. And I was like, I'm not moving until you tell me what's going on. And he said, he said, I don't really feel that connection with you anymore. And I was like, okay. I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, do you not love me anymore? And he kind of like hid his face for me. He couldn't look at me. And he said, I don't know if I'm in love with you anymore. And so I was standing on the stairs and I just, I felt like he had punched me in the stomach. Like as bad as things had gotten, it, it never occurred to me that like he had just stepped out and like not loved, was in love with me anymore. It just felt like insane, you know? And I just felt like he had punched me. And my only instinct, I don't know why, but my instinct was to grab my keys. I grabbed my keys and I went out to my studio, which was outside. It wasn't attached to the house. And I just sat in my studio and I think I called a couple friends and I called my brother and I was just, I was in shock. I literally, I felt like my, I felt like I was in a nightmare. Like, I, you know, I just was like, I don't even understand this. I couldn't wrap my head around it. And so I started feeling like I was going to have a panic attack. And so I needed to go back in the house and I had my brother on the phone with me and I was like, can you just stay on the phone with me when I go inside? And I went inside to get like, I had a prescription for an old prescription for Xanax for my doctor for like anxiety. And so I, I just wanted to take a Xanax so that I wouldn't have a panic attack. Yeah. And so I went inside and took one and then I went back out to the studio and he was sitting on the couch, like hiding his head for me. And so I stayed in the studio for a while. He never came out to try to talk to me or anything. And I came back in. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was such a huge thing to say. And so I came back inside I had to use the restroom and I could see that he was in the guest bedroom with the door closed which was downstairs so I walked past the guest bedroom and I was like well I'm just gonna sleep in the bed then if he's in the guest bedroom I might as well get a good night's sleep even though I could not sleep so I woke up the next morning before him and I got I sat on the couch and he finally woke up and he came upstairs and I said we need to talk and he said okay and he sat down opposite me in the living room and I said, is there someone else? And he said, no, there's no one else. And I was like, okay. And I was like, so, you know, I was like, I feel like throughout our relationship, there's been times where I've fallen out of love with you, but then like we go on a trip or like something happens and then everything's back to normal. And he was like, well, I don't know. He kind of like hesitated. He was like, maybe I need some time. And then he was like, no, you know, I just... I, I think it's just like over and I was like our relationship is over just like that and he was like yeah and I was like how can it just be over like we literally have an entire life together we have a dog we're in the process of putting a new patio and like how can that just be over and he was and I said how did you not come to me with this before because it's not like he sat me down and was like I'm unhappy you know like I had no idea that he was pulling out of the relationship and so I just was like how I was like how could you not come to me and he said because you're a coward I, again I was in shock so it didn't register to me how ridiculous that was and so I was just like okay I was like what did he say I said I, I just don't understand like how you can just be so like abrupt with this and he said I feel he said that he feels bad for me which was kind of like another punch in the face. And I, I basically was just like, okay, there's nothing else to say. So I got up and I got my suitcase out of the attic and I started packing it. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm leaving. Like you just told me 
that our relationship of 12 years is over just like that without any discussion I was like I'm leaving like this is not a safe space for me emotionally like I, I felt like I I was floating on air because I was in shock and so I was just like throwing random clothes in my suitcase I didn't even know where I was gonna go and I just had to get away from him because he was just being so cold about it and it was so shocking and so I was getting ready to open the door I opened the front door to leave and he said he was standing on the stairs below and he started crying and he said the reason why I didn't come to you is because I did the thing I was always afraid I was gonna do and I said what did you do and he said I slept with someone in South Carolina and I was like do you have feelings for her? And he said, I don't know. And I grabbed my suitcase and I said goodbye and I left. And I ended up driving to Michigan from Nashville. This is an eight hour drive. <laughs> um, and I, it was, I don't know how I got through that. I'm driving. I I remember thinking about my friends as I was driving because we had a very mutually entangled friend group. I mean, I had friends outside of that, but some of my close friends were very much in that. I remember thinking, should I call them? Because their husbands are probably going to hear this. And I remember I just called every single one of them. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care. I'm telling them what happened. And I, I told them what happened and I just was calling people in my support system basically to keep myself together through that drive. It was an eight hour drive. And uh, I finally got to my parents' house. My parents are very, they're great. You know, like they helped me. I, I basically needed a place to completely melt down because I was in so much pain and I was in so much shock. Like looking back, I think, oh, Amelia, why didn't you see this coming? But I truly never thought he would be capable of that. I, I just felt so shocked and rocked by it. And not to mention the fact that I had left my job two years earlier and that made me feel incredibly financially unstable because we shared a bank account. You know, all of our money was entangled. Um, I just felt like my world had been flipped upside down. And so it was like I was in Michigan for about two days and I'm talking to my friends. Some of my friends are, law are lawyers or are good friends with lawyers. And they were like, you need to take control of the house. Because if he stays in that house too long, you could lose, you know, like lose your claim of the house. And so everyone was like putting this pressure on me. And I was like, I don't want to live in that house. Like that's so triggering. And it just sounded awful. But I finally was like, okay. I need to figure this out. So I was like texting with my ex and I was like, we need, I was like, he sent me a text at some point after I left saying like, where are you? Or like, are you safe? And I told all of my friends, like, do not tell him where I am. Yeah. Like it's none of your business where I am. So I ended up texting him and I said, um, we need to figure out how we're moving forward. And let's jump on a phone call, which now sounds insane to me. But at the time I was in shock. So it was like, we're going to get on a phone call. So we get on a phone call and he picks up the phone and I'm trying to contain my anger. You know, I'm just like, okay, I want to know if we're on the same page. Like, so we're getting a divorce, like kind of question mark. And he just was like, uh, yes. And I said, okay, I want to make sure that we're in agreement that we're selling the house. And he was like, yeah. 
And then he was like, and then I was like, I'm taking back the house. Like I'm going to move in at some point and you're going to have to find somewhere to live with a dog until we figure this out. Because all my friends were like, you have to take back possession of the house. You know, so I was worried about that. And I also wanted to like, I felt so um, disrespected that I was like, I had to like somehow take back power in the situation because I just felt like he had treated me like I was a piece of trash. And I just felt like I needed to like, not let him walk on me, you know, and be like, you can't just live in the house scot-free. Like I'm taking over the house. My studio's there. You can work anywhere. So like you and the dog need to figure somewhere else to go because I didn't want to, at that point, I was like, the dog is too triggering to me. Like I wasn't making a decision of who was going to keep the dog. I just didn't want to have to deal with the dog then. And so he said that he was going to take the dog to the Humane Society. So I was in shock at that because he was obsessed with this dog. I mean, he would be brought to tears, even the thought of her getting old and dying. And so, well, he was manipulating me because he knew I wouldn't allow that to happen. So anyway, I ended up taking responsibility of the dog that, which now I'm very grateful for. Yeah, so we hung up the phone. And then ever since then, it's just been like, for the most part, lawyer speak. So he, after we had that phone call, he sent me, he would start, he started sending me these long emails. So this is like a week after he admitted he slept with that woman. And we, we haven't had any conversation about this. Like he admitted it, I left we had that brief phone conversation and now I'm getting these emails from him saying like, this is how I think we should file. I think we should file um, and just split everything 50 50. I felt like he was trying to uh, mansplain to me. <laughs> like, I don't think, I don't think he ever, he like, it, it was talking to me. Like it never occurred to him that I would seek my own advice on this. At this point of the story, the ex-husband of Alexis may just have forgotten how smart and driven and strong Alexis is. But to her credit, she did not forget. Despite the sudden news and horrible shock she was facing, Alexis made sure she sent a strong and clear message to her ex-husband. I may have been a loyal and gentle partner throughout the past 12 years of our relationship, but starting today, starting right now, you will not be walking all over me. It was time for Alexis to regain her power back. So, yeah, well, I mean, I started talking to friends who are affiliated with lawyers, and I had a friend who was a former lawyer give me a good lawyer rec, and I, he, I didn't want to let him know at first that I got a lawyer, and so he just kept sending me these emails of, like, this is what we can do. Like just very much trying to like tell me how exactly we were going to handle this. And um, I ended up serving him divorce papers <laughs> after I took back. So I did take back over the house that a week later, my mom came down with me and ended up taking the dog back. I, so he was refusing to get out of the house. When we had that phone call, he said, we can just both live in the house. Like you can live upstairs. I'll live downstairs. And I was like, yeah, I was like, uh, there's no way we're doing that. You know, like, that's just not happening. And I was like, you need to figure out a place to live, like stay with family, stay with friends. Like you're the one that did this, you figure it out. So 
I ended up talking to some friends who were mutual friends and they ended up having to sick basically their husbands on him to be like, you need to get out of the house. You you did this. You're not going to share the house. And finally, he relented and was like, I, I think I sent him an email and was like, I will be in the house on this date. You need to be out by the, by then. And he did comply with that. And so I, I came back to Nashville. I lived in that house by myself for, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks. It was really hard. My birthday happened over that, which was really painful. It was really painful too, because he sent me some dumbass email the night of my birthday. I had a bunch of friends come over and I was really trying to get into like a good mental space. And I looked at my email and he sent me this email that was like, I hope you have a great birthday with a smiley face. Like, Anyway, I ended up hiring a friend who was a real estate agent to come by and give us an estimate on the house. And I finally told him that I was going to be out by a certain date and that he could take back over the house. So I moved out the beginning of... June, I think, of this year, and um, had planned to come to Michigan for a while before going to a residency and then before moving to New York. And so he's in the house right now, and we're currently selling it. So we're very much in the middle of this. But I did serve him divorce papers during that time when I was in the house, which he did not see coming. Um, and he has since hired a lawyer as well. So we both have lawyers. Never occurred to him that I was had hired a lawyer he was shocked by that which gave me some pleasure and, and again it was my attempt to grasp some kind of dignity after I felt like he was so just dismissive of me I hired a very good lawyer and and I you know I talked I talked to a lot of people about this before I served him and I was like this I have to do this and I have to fight because like it's the only way that I'm gonna like Feel, like it's my only way of fighting back you know like I just felt so, or not fighting back but like I just felt so small by how he had treated me leading up to this and how he handled the situation that it was like this is my only way of like standing up of not just rolling over and letting him handle this you know we're grateful we've had dozens of guests share their stories and one common denominator is grief Grief is one unavoidable feeling everyone goes through during divorce. Divorce is the death of a bond we once thought would never ever die. And people deal with divorce grief in completely different ways. But I think Alexis is dealing with it in the best way possible. Her divorce story, which is still unfolding, is a lesson on how divorce grief can be used to grow in all aspects of life. She's using this time to reach for bigger and better things emotionally, but also career-wise. Her divorce has actually given her the freedom to move to the one place that I think would allow her to take her already successful career as an artist to a new level. And she's doing just that. As we're recording this episode, Alexis is finalizing her move to New York. So I've been I've been in Michigan. I've been here by myself because my parents are in New Mexico right now traveling and I'm I'm in a much better place. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to go through and I'm definitely still going through it and I think at least once a day I'm usually caught by a moment of just grief. 
Um, but I've been through a lot of therapy in the last month and I've done a lot of thinking about the trajectory of our relationship and thinking about what I want out of my life. And I think I just, I feel, I feel much better about, you know, the marriage ending and the fact that I'm moving to New York. But my brother had lived there for a long time, you know, yeah, he's been, he's lived there for almost 10 years. And I have always loved New York. I love the energy of New York. I never felt like I belonged in the South. Uh, you know, I think I had tried to convince myself of that towards the end, but I, that was, it's just not where I belonged. And I'm an artist, you know, I, I work with some people in New York and I always felt like moving to New York would just be such a better experience for me and people understanding me and like what I'm doing and you know I've spent a lot of time there over the last month as I prepared to move there and like signing a lease and I just it's thrilling because there's so much happening there and I don't know I'm excited to be there I live in New York and looked at the art Alexis is making I think she would kill it here and the sky's the limit for her. Unfortunately, we can't share any of it on our website just yet because her divorce is still ongoing. So we've had to use a different name for her. But hopefully when the divorce is finalized, we will share some of that art on our website. This was American Divorce Stories, the show is created by Annabel Martinez Vega and Walid Al Jabari. The show is produced by Annabel Martinez Vega, Caitlin Alexander Levitt, Elizabeth Jenkins, and Walid Al Jabari. If you enjoy this show, please share with your friends, rate, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to contact us with your story, our email is contact at americandivorcestories.com.